Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Here is your host, Rob Carson. Head now, and welcome to the show. It is the day before tax day. Yeah, I thought they were going to... Well, last year they put off the tax deadline because of the COVID, because of the China virus and all that stuff. I don't know about this year, but uh, we got it done yesterday. It was kind of... It was a wash. It was a wash. Because we owe the state where we live a uh, an amount of money, and we are getting money back from the Fed in the same amount. So it's kind of like a waste of time. It's kind of like, to some degree, and I don't take it offense, but like if you ever watch the Indy 500, why can't you just make it the Indy 5? Because, uh, you know, it comes down to they run around this track forever and ever and ever. And the very end, it's literally half a car length separates the two of them. So just make it the five. Just make it five, five miles. It'd be a little bit, you know, same way the, the whole thing. I mean, entire year I'm paying taxes. Entire year I'm paying taxes and I'm getting money taken out of my check and everything. Get to the end and it's a wash. Should just make it into the ND5. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. Oh, I got some news today about the Newsmax Daily. We are now being heard in 22 different countries. Yeah. 22 different countries. That's pretty big for a show that's in its fourth week. Pretty cool. So if you get a chance to download the Newsmax app for your telephonic device, and then also if you have any questions about uh, wind shows air, just uh, look up NewsmaxTV.com. Grant Stinchfield of uh, Stinchfield Show is going to be joining me very shortly. He has incredible experience in weapons and tactics, and he's going to talk about what happened in Minneapolis, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota with Dante Wright and the police officer involved there. Later in the show, you don't want to miss this interview. If you want to be armed with uh, an argument, if somebody's saying, well, you should have had this and that, and you know, that officer should have never done this and that, and blah, 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 blah. He's not defending the officer's actions. He's not. But there's some other things you need to know. Okay? So that's coming up very shortly. One thing you may need to know, and I think it's very important, we had to go to the UK Daily Mail for this. And again, this is not about blaming the victim. Dante Wright should not have died during that police encounter, Dante Wright should also not have had an outstanding gun warrant, uh, gun crime warrant out for him. Dante Wright should also not have had a, a plate issue. Dante Wright also should not have resisted arrest as somebody with a felony robbery, armed robbery charge warrant against him. Okay, all of those things should not have happened. But all of those precipitated with Dante Wright losing his life. So I'll share some more on this very shortly. But officers learned there wasn't a warrant out for Dante Wright's arrest after they ran his information, so they tried to cuff him. He didn't want to get cuffed, obviously. Apparently, this is according to the Daily Mail. Dante Wright choked a woman and threatened to shoot her if she did not hand over $820 she had stuffed in her bra. Court papers obtained by the Daily Mail came up with. Wright was due to face trial on a charge of attempted aggravated robbery with a possible maximum sentence of 20 years in jail. That's why he fought back. That's why he tried to climb in his car. Now, if a suspect who is being handcuffed breaks free from the handcuffs and dives for his car, the first thing the officer doesn't think is he's just going to try and drive away and we'll be cool. It's he's diving into the car to get a weapon. And that was what was going through the officer's mind. Again, 
It was a massive and incompetent mistake for her to use her Glock instead of her Taser. But there are other things that happened here that will be considered in a court of law and may ultimately uh, prove that she is innocent of wrongdoing. I don't know. Charging papers say he had a second man, Emma J. Driver. He went to a home shared by two women in Oseo, Minnesota, to a party. Uh, he was 19. The driver was 18. Uh, the women asked them to leave at about 2.30 in the morning on December the 1st. And they said they didn't have a ride. And the women who are not identified in court documents allowed them to sleep on the floor in the morning. One of the women went to the bank to get her $820 rent money, which she gave to another woman and then left for work. You can write checks now. I've heard you can actually write checks and sometimes pay your rent with a debit card. As Wright, the driver, and the second woman were leaving, Wright allegedly tried to hold up the woman. The three of them were walking around to the door to exit the apartment, and defendant Wright turned around and blocked the door, preventing the victim from leaving. And uh, apparently the victim says, are you serious? Defendant Wright said, give me the effing money. I know you have it. When the woman again asked if she was serious, Wright is said to have replied, I'm not playing around. I'm sure this was the only time that... Uh, Dante Wright has ever done anything like this. It must have been completely unique for him because, you know, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, occasionally you sleep on a woman's floor and you hear she's going to get the run money and you're just like, I don't know what happened. I just, I just, I just I got my gun out and I said, I need that. I need that money. I've never done this before. That said, again, I am not meaning to say that Dante Wright needed to die during the police. Stop. Now, here's something that does need to stop. And that is the, uh, the national media calling what's happening in Brooklyn Center in Minneapolis protests. They are not protests. Martin Luther King Jr. led protests. He led protest marches, okay? This is a riot. This is an opportunity to steal stuff and burn stuff. Did you see the Dollar General store up there? Not only did the looters go in and steal stuff, they also just ransacked the place, just wrecked it, just threw shopping carts through glass windows, just to be complete D words for Richard. And it's unacceptable. And by the way, of all the places you could loot, why would you do a Dollar General store? I mean, literally, you could fill a card up. You're walking away with $32 worth of stuff. You know? But anyway, people who would riot are not the smartest people in the world. Here's a little montage of the press calling this a protest is on edge and bracing for another night of protests. Hundreds of protesters took to the streets outraged. Curfew now in place following protests and clashes with police. That's why you see the burgeoning of protests. Yeah, um, I don't think that MLK ever said, you know, hey, listen, while we're marching here in Selma, let's go ahead and break into that TV store over there. They didn't have Best Buy back then. So, uh, no, I don't think he ever did. Because these are opportunists. These are criminals. There was never any justification for it whatsoever. 60 people were arrested during the second night of riots. Oh, my gosh. This is what, what is this headline? Is this Breitbart or something? <clears throat> riots. 60 protesters and looters continued to wreck the city for a second night. Arrests were made for rioting, curfew violations, other criminal behavior. Minnesota State Patrol Colonel Matt Langer said in a news conference early Wednesday morning, the behaviors that we continue to see are unacceptable and we are not going to tolerate them. It is not acceptable and it will not be tolerated if you choose to do criminal activity and destroy property and throw objects and make it unsafe for people to come and exercise their First Amendment rights. And a lot of these people are from out of state because we discovered, we discovered that Antifa was being flown into different cities. We saw one of the leaders of the Capitol Hill riots is actually a radical Black Lives Matter activist who has been charged with crimes in Salt Lake City. He was flown in. He was flown in for the Capitol 6 insurrection. That wasn't. So a lot of this is outside forces. A lot of these are uh, neo-Marxists uh, who are being paid. 
One of the reasons why a lot of these uh, these riots stopped when Joe Biden became the president was because they stopped being paid. One of the reasons why the riots stopped toward the end of the presidential campaign is because they started to impact Joe Biden's poll numbers. And so people stopped getting paid. Okay? The media should be asking those stories. Now, the uh, man-child who is the uh, mayor of uh, Brooklyn Center, his name is Mike Elliott. Everybody, it's Mike Elliott. Mike Elliott sounds like a weathercaster on Channel 4. Hey, Mike, what's those forecasts going to be? Well, I'm going to tell you there, uh, Bob, uh, it's Minneapolis and it's, uh, it's April, so it could snow. But uh, it also could be really warm today. It could be absolutely beautiful. Or uh, all your plants that you have outside could freeze to death tonight. Back to you, Joe. Anyway, Mike Elliott, he's suggesting that, uh, that maybe when police do traffic stops, they shouldn't have guns. The full text of, 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 of your request uh, and uh, make sure that you know, we sit down and, and, and go through it and, and see how we can implement uh, I, I don't believe that officers need to necessarily uh, have weapons, uh, you know, uh, every time they, they're, they're making a, a traffic stop. Okay, this is, this is what we call, and then pardon the expression, shooting your mouth off before you know what you're talking about. Did you realize the most dangerous situations that police officers, number one, number one on the list of the most dangerous situations police officers face every day is when you pull someone over. Have you been watching TV lately? Have you ever seen an episode of Cops there, sir? Elliot, Elliot, everybody in the Weather Center, Elliot? Uh, or, or engaged in uh, situations that don't necessarily call for, uh, for weapons. <laughs> wow. That is just fantastic. That is, that is, just, that is pure 100% academic idiocy. We know that there are other, many other jurisdictions, or even around the world, where yeah. uh, that is not, you know, necessarily the case. It's not needed, and so I. Yeah, well, see, this isn't anywhere in the world. Uh, just thought you should know that, there, buddy. You know, I am very much interested in, in receiving. Was it like Switzerland? I mean, do they carry Swiss Army knives? It's you know, they pull up a car and they say, "All right, all right, put your hands on the wheel," and the guy inside goes. Yes, I need the help opening a can good here. Could you get the can opener out of your Swiss Army knife? You know, is, is, that, is that how they do it over there? I don't know. But I hate to tell you this. There is a lot of violence in this country, and there are a lot of criminals who get pulled over because they're doing illegal stuff. And then when the police officer uh, walks up to the window, they freak out. A New Mexico police officer was killed last week, pulled over a drug dealer, saw an assault rifle on the seat, said, hey, do you mind... If I remove this weapon for my safety, the guy gets out, walks around the other side, gets out the weapon, and kills the police officer, point blank. So you made your city manager resign for suggesting that the officer involved in this shooting got due process. I think you should resign, sir, because you're a man-child who knows absolutely nothing about policing. Absolutely nothing. He has no business commenting on it whatsoever. And if you don't mind, I'm going to make a quick comment about life in the country right now. And my theory on all of this, which I have carried with me for 30 years since I was in my 20s as a young man in broadcasting. And I saw the crisis in the African-American community in the inner cities. And I remember the very first time that I really hit home for me. Because in every city in America, or most, there is a bad part of town. Unfortunately, 
uh, the sitters are largely people of color, and they are impoverished, and they are crime-ridden. I was in Columbia, Missouri at the time. It's a small town, my first job out of radio, and I remember one night there was a young black couple. They got married, and they had a reception at her home, and he was shot to death by a wedding party member of color the night of his wedding, and he was only 20, 19 years old, and I thought of the absolute tragedy of it, and I have been following it ever since. I followed it through living in Cincinnati, Ohio, when a man of color decided to get high on uh, joints soaked in embalming fluid and a host of other things, decided to lay down on the ground in front of a White Castle police, arrived, he came up swinging, they tased him, and he died, and Cincinnati burned. Cincinnati burned. We saw L.A. burn with Rodney King's uh, beating. That happened years before that. We saw it in, uh, in Minneapolis, and we've seen it in places all over the country. Police shootings of unarmed suspects are very rare. <clears throat> they are not exclusively against African Americans. What you do need to know is that the black-on-black violence in this country murder rate is 10 times the national average. And while people show up for protests about a, an accidental shooting of a man by a police officer, nobody shows up in Chicago when they go a week where 38 people are shot and 8 people died and they're almost exclusively people of color. Those lives don't matter because they don't make political points. And that is my political point for today. BLM Marxist co-founder raked in $20,000 a month as chairwoman of a jail reform group. I wonder how many jails she reformed. You know, we were talking about this woman the other day, uh, Patrice Cullors. She is the founder of uh, Black Lives Matter, which was founded on a uh, uh, falsity. Um, a lot of these uh, shootings are founded on a falsity. Hands up, don't shoot, did not happen. Uh, but anyway, that aside, when you've got the power of a group of people who will go into neighborhoods and shut down businesses and ultimately not even, you know, maybe burn them down. People will say, oh, I want to hire her. I want to get her on my team. I want to give her on the good side. So my business doesn't burn down or I don't get boycotted. She raked in upwards of $20,000 a month serving as the chairwoman of a Los Angeles jail reform group in 2019. Wow, that's awesome. That's almost as good as Hunter Biden with Burisma. And, you know, and he didn't know anything about oil and gas. I don't know how much she knows about prison reform or whatever. Jail reform. Reform LA Jails disperses a total of $191,000 to Colors in 2019 through her consulting firm, Jenea and Patrice Consulting. And doesn't it just sound like a jail consulting? See, it's like, you know, uh, Bill, I uh, think we need to reform our jail here. Should we go with Jail Reformers, Inc.? No, let's go with Jenea and Patrice Consulting. I think they are just absolutely incredible. If we get them in here, seriously, bread and water is going out the window. We're having hummus. And we are having couscous. This is honestly, seriously, Jenea and Patrice, are, they're, the, they're the team we need. So the description for each of these seven reports, payments to Colors firm that read P. Colors principal officer, business owner. It's not unclear when exactly Reform LA jails began paying Colors through the, her firm, which is uh, named after the BLM co-founder and her spouse, Jenea Khan. Khan. The first payment of 51000 occurred between January 2019 and the end of June 2019. I need a gig like that. I need it. Now, we know that Patrice Cullors has also purchased, what, four homes? Which, you know, I mean, for Marxists, they do that all the time. No, not really. Uh, here she is. Uh, this is a report from the UK Daily Mail, one of my favorite. I mean, honestly, 
I read the UK Daily Mail. It's like it's like opening a Christmas present every day. Here's a report from uh, the UK Daily Mail about Patrice Cullors, the uh, Marxist co-founder of Black Lives Matter, which raked in $90 million last year. No exact uh, tracking of how she's getting paid, who's getting paid, how they've divided up their their uh, business and they have, they got a business and then they got a charity and and very few local chapters get a lot of money because, you know, Black Lives Matter is kind of a lot like the Clinton Foundation. They just rake in a lot of money and you, or the Lincoln Project and you never really know where the money is going. Here's a report from the UK Daily Mail. Well, it appears so, Thomas. The head of the New York chapter of Black Lives Matter is calling for a probe into Patrice Con Color's finances. Specifically, Hawk Newsom wants to know just how much of her own money Colors is donating to charitable organizations. Colors owns three homes in Los Angeles and one in Georgia. All of these purchased within the last five years. The latest is a one- Isn't it funny? Bernie Sanders also has four homes. He just rents one of them. But he's, he's a socialist and he's got- <laughs> He's got three houses. I've only got one. It's a fixer-upper. I mean, literally, I, I bought it because it, they, they had dogs and cats, and it was, oh, you should have just smelled this place. $2.4 million it was, home. It wasn't a Patrice Collar's house, man. She wouldn't even look at this place. In Topanga Canyon. BLM received over $90 million in donations. Just yeah, by the way, Topanga Canyon is 1.8% people of color last year and a lack of transparency about who and where those dollars are going to has been the subject of criticism. Well, part of the reason that why not be transparent unless you're trying to cover something up i don't know people are especially outraged by this is colors is a self-described marxist and buying a 1.4 <laughs> million dollar home doesn't exactly fit into that model of society uh, i'm not thinking they have a collective or a community garden in uh look where is that anyway the, yeah the rich neighborhood laconda red one i don't know what the heck anyway so, uh, yeah, Patrice, she's uh, a lot of people in the uh, BLM movement. You know, they're power to the people, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And they look at their leader, and they say, well, wait, 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 wait. She just got their fourth house, and that was $1.4 million. And we're over here in East St. Louis, and uh, they haven't picked up the trash in like 10 years. And uh, there's a guy laying on the ground with a needle in his arm. Yeah, why didn't she move here? Eh, Marxist, Marxist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. We've got uh, plenty of stuff to get to. Oh, 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 the James O'Keefe, the latest from James O'Keefe. And CNN and Expose. But here's something very interesting, and I have said this from the get-go with regard to COVID. And I'm not going to say how I feel about COVID uh, vaccinations. You know, it's my business, not, you know, and you don't care, and I don't care either. But that said, there's been a lot of chicanery with regard to COVID for a very long time. And Anthony Fauci, you'll notice, he changes his mind every other day about what we should do. And now he's saying that we should... We should continue to wear masks for, you know, 100 days or more. And then we should go back to closing down the restaurants because um, it's not quite 2022, the election year. And when that happens, then we can make it all go away and then give credit to Joe Biden as we go into the midterms. What? Did I say that out loud? Did I? What? What just happened there? Back to the story. So there has been a perverse incentive to uh, not only put COVID on death certificates, but also to diagnose COVID. My wife has a friend whose father died in a nursing home. He was never tested for COVID, but on his death certificate, they said he died of COVID. Do you know why? Because the nursing home got a lot of money and the state got a lot of money. It just kind of happens that way. Here is AOC. AOC, who, I mean, geez, she will never give you. You don't expect a cure from cancer for her for any time or even an intelligent thought. Here she is yesterday saying that, Proactively, you can go back if a family member died last year and you can claim that they had COVID, even though uh, maybe they weren't tested, uh, but but we can at least get it on the books. This is all about the money, the money, the money. So here's what families need to know. Your loved one should have COVID 
on their death certificate. Anywhere listed on their death certificate, either as the primary or contributing cause of death. In those early days, though, we know that so many people, we didn't know what was COVID and what wasn't. And so there are several options available. So we created a really big fund of billions of dollars, and we said that for every COVID diagnosis, states are going to get gigantic amounts of money, depending on the court. We're going to divide it up evenly, and then the states that have fewer COVID are going to get bigger amounts per person, but the states that diagnose more COVID are going to get lots more checks. One is that you and they did. can go back to the institution that issued the death certificate, the hospital, the physician, etc., and you can have your death certificate edited uh, in retrospect, knowing what we know now about COVID. There you go. All right. So um, I'm not saying you shouldn't get a vaccine. That's fine. My mother's 91 years old. She went into the doctor and uh, the doctor said, uh, well, you tested positive for COVID. For apparently you had it, but you didn't know. Uh, I've had plenty of friends like that. My daughter goes to a school where 2,600 people, either students, faculty, or staff, and she was out of school for, oh, eight months. And she got back and nobody died. Nobody died of COVID at the school. Now, if this is the worst, honestly, if this is the worst epidemic in the history of mankind, don't you think there'd be body pits out back? Don't you suppose we'd get all sorts of funeral notices? And, you know, don't you suppose all of us would have been to, you know, half a dozen wakes by now, uh, you know, just this week? So James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, uh, they decided to <laughs> catfish this guy. Catfishing, I guess, is when you attract somebody through... Uh, uh, I don't know, a dating app or whatever. I, I thank God I never had to do this. But uh, apparently they got this this uh, CNN technical director, Charlie Chester, who was caught on camera, and he basically poured it all out there because I guess, you know, that's what you got to do if you, you know, you want the date to go over well. You just immediately buy her some wine, buy her some dinner, and then tell her everything you know about what's going on in the organization. <laughs> So good. So CNN technical director Charlie Chester, Charlie Chester on the scene. Uh, he he said that basically they were practicing propaganda with regard to uh, uh, Joe Biden's candidacy and tilting things toward him. Also with tearing up uh, Matt Gates. We'll get to that in just one second. But here's a little bit from this. Uh, he, apparently, this woman they maybe it was tender. It was tender. It was tender. And and so they hooked up with Tender and they sat there at the booth and they're just chilling and she's got a camera going and here are some of the things that he said about. Getting Joe Biden elected. I think I, I think we got him through this term. We would always share shots of him jogging. Him and aviator shades and like a, like you paint him as a young geriatric. We were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about. This is Charlie. Uh, you know, we were, so that's, that's, I think that's probably it. Look what we did. We got Trump back. I am. Look what we did. We got Trump out. I am going to 100% say it. 100% going to say it. And I 100% believe it. That it and I 100% believe it. If it wasn't for CNN. If it wasn't for CNN, I don't know that Trump would have gotten voted out. I don't know if Trump would have gotten voted out. There you go. So there's Charlie Chester. Do you think there's going to be a second date? I'm not thinking there's going to be a second date. Now, here is uh, Charlie Chester talking about Matt Gates and the uh, scandal surrounding him. Apparently, they somebody saying that a 17-year-old uh, was being trafficked by him, and he showed a bunch of nude pictures, and he's kind of a freak. And uh, Matt Gates is saying, no, no, no. See, I'm being, my family's being, uh, we're being blackmailed for $25 million. Here is a little bit from uh, Chucky uh, with regard to Matt Gates. If the agenda, say, is to, like, get 
It's like Matt Gates right now. He's like this Republican. Like, uh, he's a problem for the Democratic Party because he's so conservative, right? And he can cause a lot of hiccups. So he basically said that Matt Gates can cause a lot of hiccups because he's so conservative. Passing of laws. So it's. It would be great for the Democratic Party to get him out. It would be great for the party to get him out. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him and make it so that it can't be buried and, like, just, you know, settled outside of court and just, like, you know, uh, if we keep pushing that, it's helping us. Okay, and they did that with a narrative about the uh, Russia collusion hoax. It was a hoax. It was proven to be a hoax. But CNN and MSNBC went for a couple of years with it. And then when it, the story died, nobody spent a week saying we were wrong, we were wrong. It just went away. That's why the man who I wrote for for over 20 years, Rush Limbaugh, called them the drive-by media. Because what they do is they, they drive by, they cause their damage, they drive off, and they never return. And that's what happened with 60 Minutes and Governor Ron DeSantis over the weekend. That's the drive-by media. Here is uh, James O'Keefe going into the restaurant, <laughs> to see, like Chuck Woolery at the end of uh, the dating show that he used to do, <laughs> to see how the date went and confront Chucky. We're outside this restaurant in Jersey City. We're about to confront Charlie Chester, CNN's technical director. CNN employee is in. Charlie Chester, maybe you should have taken her to Chuck E. Cheese. Restaurant. We got him on camera. He's meeting with our undercover reporter. He expects that person to return to the table, but I'm going to be returning to the table in a minute. Let's go. Charlie. Is this seat taken? Uh-oh. James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Ruh-roh, Riley. You're a tech... Roar and rubble. ...technical director at CNN. You're on camera <laughs> talking about the importance of getting Trump out of office without saying that's what your intent is. Like our more focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without Uh-oh. saying it, that's Uh-oh. what it was, right? Look what we did. We got Trump out. That's, you're on tape saying this. I just want to ask you... I've asked you now. What you're you... close to you. Within six feet of me... I've, I, your mask on. Well, I, can, I can stand six <laughs> feet away from you. He's, he's sitting at the booth by himself, Chuck E. Cheese or Charlie Chaplin or whatever his name is. He's sitting there without the thing on. And James O'Keefe comes in and you're sitting six feet from me and 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 my my uh, chicken fingers aren't here yet. Ask the same questions. That sounds like a good idea. I don't want you coughing on my potato boats. You're not going to get me to talk about anything. So. Well, you also, well, you also said that uh, <laughs> it was, in your words, quote, propaganda. We were creating a story there that we didn't know anything about. So that's, that's, I think that's propaganda. I'm not, I'm quoting you here. I'm not talking All right. Well, you've already spoken with us. You admit your network is helping certain candidates. Can I get those mozzarella sticks to go, please? I'm not talking to him, but I'll talk to you. Just bring those out and just put them on my card and tip yourself 15%. For political office. And you're admitting that you wanted to hide it. Why hide it, Charlie? Why hide it? They never have the courage to say publicly. Back to the chocolate factory with you, Charlie. Back to the chocolate factory. I don't know if Charlie has a job today. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, by the way, a majority of all racial groups say voter ID requirements don't discriminate. This according to Rasmussen. Thousand U.S. likely voters conducted April 11th through the 12th, 2021 by Rasmussen. 59% of black people, 64% of whiteies like me, and 58% of uh, other minority voters reject the claim that voter IDs discriminate against some voters. But what they do is they, uh, they lower the expectations and they insult black people. That's what they do because it's all well-meaning white people who are liberals who want elections to be insecure.
56% of blacks, 59% of whites, 63% of other minority voters say it is more likely to make sure that there is no cheating in elections than it is uh, to be uh, easier to vote. Also, black people, 32 to 22%, whites, about 32%, and other minorities uh, are all likely to say it's too easy to vote than to say it's too hard, too hard to vote. Isn't that nice to know? This is kind of interesting. California teacher to see this. San Marcos High School teacher Alisa Pirro, seen in a Zoom teaching session, railing at students. She is an English teacher who doesn't want to go back to school. She doesn't want schools reopened, just like those people in Chicago. The, uh, the teachers union in Chicago, they're saying that if they go back to in-school learning, they will walk. And so I say, bring on Ronald Reagan and what he did with the air traffic controllers. If you are told to get back to work as a teacher, you get back to work or you go bye bye. You go find something else to do because you know what? The guy at Home Depot and the guy who is stocking your groceries at Whole Foods, if you're really rich, like, you know, a Black Lives Matter founder, or if, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Safeway, like where I go or Walmart, Walmart, you know, is I go to Walmart. Yeah. Thursdays are great. Pizzas are marked down. Anyway, that's it. Um, it my original thought. <laughs> This teacher in San Marcos High School decided to shred uh, this kid about uh, having a black student council. And then he just dared parents to come after her uh, with regard to in-person learning. Here she getting all uh, all tough at talking with the kids on Zoom. themselves out. The haters did. They are forced. If you're over 30 and you use the word haters, seriously. To bring awareness to the situation that they are in because other people put them in that situation. Okay, she is a white, liberal woman, probably lives in a cul-de-sac, probably shops at Target, wears yoga pants, and carries around a large container of coffee. My question is, in this case, where is the uh, white student union? Because, because we, we need all race. Okay, he said, where's the white student council? And if you get a uh, cul-de-sac living uh, liberal, uh, you're going to light her fuse. You don't need a white student union, Jake. Oh. You get everything. You don't need a white student union. You get everything. This is where she goes, and pardon the, uh, the levels are a little low. But this is where she dares parents to come at her if they if they doubt her with regard to teaching and whether she can do the job sitting at home in her pajama pants, sipping from her big old cup of uh, coffee, probably a latte, maybe one uh, raw sugar, uh, maybe maybe a little bit of hazelnut, uh, sugar free syrup. You know. Let's move on to some great guests and some great commentary from some of the. Totally awesome hosts on Newsmax TV. Greg Kelly talked a little bit about the uh, Rashida Tlaib, her immediately respo- immediate response to what's happening in Minneapolis, even though Minneapolis and large Democrat cities defunded the police and cut budgets, and we've seen murder rates climb up to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. She suggested defunding the police, getting rid of the police, and incarceration altogether. Here is Greg Kelly talking about that. Take a look at this. Some tweets, they are significant, and this does have serious ramifications. Talking about the incident in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. It wasn't an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Goes on. Dante Wright was met with an ag- You better tell the black police officers that. Aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. We're kind of done with you and your government-funded stupidity, because we're paying your check. 
No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Do you want that rapist who's in jail right now for life to move in next door there, Rashida? Now it would be one thing if this were just one lone nut job shooting off her mouth. It's not. Mm -hmm. She represents a lot of people, a lot of powerful people, <laughs> and they have tremendous influence in the Biden administration. And they're all adult children. They are reimagining policing. And by the way, police, a lot of them, somewhat understandably, are taking themselves out of the equation. It's called the Ferguson effect. They are being far less aggressive. I know something happened terrible in Minnesota. We'll get to it. But in the meantime, a life without cops. I've seen glimpses of it right here in New York City. Yep. Take a look at this. When someone was being pummeled on a subway train um, relentlessly, and everybody just stood by. Nobody even really screamed or shouted. They just grabbed their cameras and took pictures. Is this the country you want to live in? It's not where I want to live. Here's what I want to do. I want to start a massive movement to support our police. Despite all the name calling that may happen because of this. I'm here to support my police. If you get the opportunity, maybe call a police department, non-emergency number, and say, me and my church group, we'd like to bring you guys bagels today. We'd like to bring you bagels and coffee, and we want to say thank you. Maybe, maybe it's uh, across the street from the police station set up a a rally that, that's positive, saying we love you and we support you because we know every day when you kiss your wife or kids or your husband and kids or whoever goodbye, you don't know if you'll be back in the morning, but every day you soldier on despite idiots like Rashida Tlaib saying that you are inherently racist, which is phenomenally insulting and completely irresponsible. Let's move on to uh, Greg Kelly. He talked to Herschel Walker's son, who is a, uh, a young man, 20, uh, 21 years old, I believe, a, a fine outstanding man, about what's happening and, uh, and personal responsibility. Property doesn't bleed, but I do. Now, he's talking about uh, young people who are saying that looting is justified because, you know, it's 1968 all over again, even though it's not. If ending systematic oppression means... That is straight out of activism 101 in college. This is the brainwashing that's going on in American universities. Store gets burnt or looted and nobody's hurt. How is that any worse than living in a situation where I have to fear for my life every day? Wow. This is not simply looting. This is an uprising. <laughs> an uprising of the oppressed yes. people. Raise your fist. March around. We have seen before the voice <laughs> of the uh, uh, unheard sometimes. Looks That's the white CNN anchor. She's saying it's the voice of the unheard. Go ahead and take those Nikes, but don't go into my target. It's like looting and violence when people feel so angry about something that's happened in their community. Seems like they're talking about another country like South Africa, 1984. Yeah. Christian, yeah. forgive me, but you happen to be a person of color. Uh, if you'd like to uh, share your thoughts on this matter. I think it's ridiculous. I suddenly don't recognize my home country from somewhere like Somalia. 
These people try to whip up this race narrative, but honestly, we've moved past the Jim Crow era. We've moved past slavery and we've come so far. And it seems as though groups like BLM, Antifa want to undermine all our progress and whip up the narrative so they are allowed and have an excuse to go loot. But regardless, I don't think looting solves anything. If we want to solve the problems, we need less crime. We need to focus on law and order. We need to be teaching people Respect authority, listen to the cops, and we wouldn't be in this situation. To be All right, and respect authority, except for when it's Anthony Fauci, because he's wrong about everything. So Grant Stinchfield, who will be joining me via phone in just a moment, talks a little bit about the, uh, the protests that are not riots, obviously. The state of Minnesota is on edge and bracing for another night of protests. Hundreds of protesters took to the streets outraged. Curfew now in place. Pod to protest. That means not protest following protests and clashes with police. That's why you see the burgeoning of protests. You hear protesters, demonstrators, the terminology they use prove they are just pandering. <laughs> These are rioters and they're rioters and looters. Bricks are being thrown at cops. Businesses are being broken into and wiped out. Fire. In places like Florida, when there is a hurricane, uh, you can shoot looters. And tear gas. Are I'm not saying we could do that now, but, uh, you know. Everywhere, but the media doesn't care. What's happening in and around Minneapolis is not peaceful. And our correspondent, James Kluge, just saw how hostile it is firsthand. Now it's turned into a little bit more of a violent protest. I'm actually having trouble keeping my eyes open because there's so much tear gas blowing by me right now. <coughs> I think that's all I got. Yeah. Too much no, tear gas. Yeah, tear gas. You got to get out of there. That, of course, is your peaceful protest there, right? The bottom line is, between city leaders and the media, they are pandering to the rioters. They are, and I've already explained why I feel that is happening, and I stand by it 100%. Here is uh, Grant reacting to Kamala Harris and her comments about uh, systemic racism. And She has suffered greatly, by the way. She grew up in Berkeley and her mother was a researcher father was a professor they were very wealthy and uh she had to ride a bus to school so everything was horrible oh my god well so did i for an hour every day in the morning and at night folks will keep dying if we don't fully address racial injustice black on black crime and oh she didn't say that equities in our country from implicit bias to broken systems but when you look at minneapolis that's not what this killing is about. Thank you. The audio makes it clear it was an accident, which makes Kamala Harris's comments solely about pushing more racial division. Plus, Dante Wright, the suspect who was killed, resisted arrest. He kicked and fought with officers in a violent attempt to flee. He did not comply with officers' respectful requests to do so. There you go. Uh, one more little thing from Grant, and then, and then by the way, I'm going to be talking to him and call him up here in just one second. Here are some of the uh, nuttiest interview moments <laughs> from the last couple of days in uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. To our top three nuttiest conversations between reporters and rabble-rousers. All right, you ready for this? At number three, this CNN reporter, Sarah Sidner, who clearly would rather make friends with a guy who's basically telling her to go pound sand, quite frankly. Now you can see. You can see y'all be twisting up the story. You want me? Do you want to talk to me? Okay, cool. Don't take my mic, but we're cool. Okay. What I think about this is all the press and all the extra I do makes this worse. You think so? Yes. Y'all need to get up out of here with all that twisting up the media. Okay. You don't know me, but we're going to get to know each other. That's what we're going to do. Yes, we are. Well, let me give you my phone number. Y'all just gonna edit out the 
We're live. We and are then y'all going to edit out some other live right we're now. Not I'm live right now. I don't care if you live or not. Okay, but Get away from here with all that media. Sarah Sidner even offers him her phone number. What? <laughs> so they can get to know each other, I guess. That's not a joke, by the way. So at number two, more hatred. Are you on Tinder? For the fake news media. <laughs> They're still here. They're still here. Okay, easy, easy, easy. Come on, easy. What happened? Tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. This is what happens when you try to uh, you try to have a conversation with an irrational mob. And the police are now firing on homes. That never happened. Homes that are just across the street. That's a lie. That have nothing to do. I'm gonna go. The report. If I had a dollar for every night the police just came by and randomly shot at our house here, I would not have a dollar. NBC. Okay, okay, okay. Number one, nuttiest conversation to make air last night on cable news. This brilliant protester who claims to know oh so much about, that was a drum roll. about tasers. We need the police to stand down. We are peaceful protesters. I've shot a gun. I've held a taser. I'm a big... Sure you have. Yeah, sure you have. I'm a shooter, and I can tell the difference between a weight of a gun, the trigger of a gun, versus the trigger on a, a, a taser? Sure. The sure sound is different. Sure. The weight is different. Sure and if the police are telling... You wouldn't know the difference between a gun and a toothbrush. That it is that easy to mistake a gun and a taser. You gotta be careful on that one, too, by the way. I mean, you really don't want to confuse those. Are you gonna stay out here all night, or what's the I'm going to do what needs to be done. <laughs> there you go. First off, folks, by the way, a taser is heavier than a gun. No? Really? Yeah, it is, because it's got the big old battery on there. You know, enough battery power to knock you on your rear end. Here is uh, Rob Schmidt talking to uh, Senator Rick Scott about what the Republicans need to do in 2022, provided the Democrats don't patch H.R. 1, which is meant to steal 2022. But how are things looking as far as 2022 is concerned? Well, you know who's helping us is Joe Biden. I mean, I mean, his agenda is not popular. I mean, Americans want a secure border. They want their, you know, they want their schools open, uh, not closed. They don't want men playing in women's sports. They, they don't want to kill the Keystone Pipeline. They don't want to kill, get rid of fossil fuel. They don't want to bankrupt this country. I don't recall any ads for Joe Biden saying that America wanted those things. With the ridiculous spending that the Biden administration is doing, the past bill. Uh, it's going to take us to $30 trillion in debt. The next bill will take us, what, $32, $33, $34 trillion worth of debt. We're already seeing significant inflation. Uh, we've got the CPI numbers today, which showing that inflation is up. Uh, gas prices are up, what, 23% in a year. Yeah. Food prices are up 3.6%. This is not starting out well for Joe Biden. He's the one going to get gets elected. There's 34 seats up. 20 Republicans, 14 Democrats. Provided Democrats don't steal the election and pass H.R. 1, we are going to clean their clocks. I think we have at least four pickup opportunities. We're going to like we did in 2020. Oh, did I say that out loud? Clearly pick up uh, the seat in Georgia against Warnick. He does not represent Georgia. We're going to beat Kelly in Arizona. We're going to beat Hassam up in New Hampshire. And we're going to beat Cortez Masto out in Nevada. And I think there's going to be other states because this Biden agenda is so unpopular. It is unpopular and it is worthless and the American people did not vote for it. Thank you very much. We have waited long enough. It is time now to invite Grant Stinchfield to the show. Hello, Grant. Oh, Rob, it's great to be with you, my man. You know, I never thought I'd say this because I remember in like 2005 when people started being uh, wanting the, the 1990s, getting nostalgic about the 1990s. 
I'm feeling that way about 2020. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, anything, anything but uh, but 2021 right now. I don't know. I think we've got to go all the way back to 2016, 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. Grant, yesterday, uh, obviously the last couple of days since Dante Wright's death uh, at the hands of a police officer by accident, um, the, the city, of course, is on fire. It looks like Minneapolis has a slightly better response than they did last time. We don't see $550 million worth of damage. Uh, you, you don't have a store owner's body found in a, in a burnout building in Uptown a couple days later. Um, your initial thoughts about the reaction from the authorities versus the media thus far? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you're right that it's better than the last time around, but it's still pretty darn bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you think about what's going on, especially in Brooklyn Center, what is it, three nights of rioting now, and yet you have the media that cannot call it riot. They cannot call these people for what they are, which are thugs, goons, and looters. Um, what is looting, tell me, uh, uh, Rob, have anything to do with, with fighting for social justice? I, yeah. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And, and I don't understand why the media can't come forward and just say, look, this is not advancing your, your argument for better policing in America when you're going and robbing and, and looting from an O'Reilly. It, it's just so frustrating, and I think that's what most Americans are feeling. Well, we got a few things going on, and this is my theory on it. Uh, it's not 1968. It's certainly not 1963 or 1863. I think that the Democrat Party and the left are using these shootings to cover their incredibly failed uh, agenda, the war on poverty, the Lyndon Johnson administration, the destruction of the black nuclear family, the murder rate in the black-on-black community, uh, 10 times that of the national average, the fatherless rate in the inner cities of 80%, the 40% national abortion rate. It's a gigantic, colossal failure. I think all of this comes to distracting from failed Democrat policies and also distracting from personal responsibility blaming the man and blaming the system for it and i think sooner or later it, it's getting it's getting real thin here and i think people are getting tired yeah. of it but that's my theory well you know it's interesting because uh tonight on the program um we're kicking off the top of the show with uh a, a monologue about just what you're talking about and, and why the media uses one chinese virus to these riots in the minneapolis area to distract from stories they really need to be covered. So there's the obvious ones like the border crisis and those kinds of things. But there's some other stories that are not obvious that they are taking away from and refusing to cover. They should have covered during the campaign. One is the mental decline of Joe Biden. And we're going to get into the mental decline of Joe Biden. Is he suffering from dementia? And what are the national security risks of that? There's the Hunter Biden and and China scandal. You know, on the program last night, we talked about Joe Biden's push or his handler's push for electric cars. Well, you need lithium and cobalt, rare earth minerals to produce car batteries like that. Where are those made? China. China controls 80 (laughs) percent of these rare earth minerals. We are going to empower China over the United States, and this is the people behind Joe Biden. These are the stories not being covered. Why? Because they'd rather go out there, cover these riots, and somehow blame all conservatives 
uh, for the ills of the world. And and so we're not going to do it, and we're going to expose what's really going on. I love it. I love it. Dante Wright had a warrant out for his arrest, an attempted aggravated robbery against a woman. Um, he was um, apparently choked a woman, held her at gunpoint, attempted to, uh, to steal $820. This wasn't a traditional traffic stop. And I got to tell you, before uh, he was shot, I thought the police behaved incredibly uh, well, considering the the fearful confrontation that they faced with a guy who'd already been uh, had an outstanding warrant. Yeah, I mean, look, everything about this stop uh, could have been prevented by the suspect. He never had to die. Never had to get to the point where the officer mistakes her firearm for for her taser. All he had to do was comply. That's yeah. it. Just obey commands. Show your hands to put you in handcuffs. Don't resist, don't fight. But every single instance, even if you want to take the very rare instance where a police officer make a mistake, and it is very, very rare, it still could have been prevented if the suspects would not have resisted. Cops are not just going and shooting people sitting in their cars not doing anything. Now, you know much more about firearms than I do, and you had mentioned last night in your show, and I shared earlier on the podcast, uh, the difference between a, a taser and a uh, a Glock, for instance, and you had somebody who claimed to know the difference absolutely in holding them. Why don't you explain the difference, and how do you think this mistake happened? Well, you know, honestly, I, I don't know how it happened. It's very, very hard to mistake a taser for a firearm. One, the taser is a different color, so even if she's holding it, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different color. Uh, the firearm is going to be heavier than the taser is. And then you have the taser on your weak hand, right? So if you're right-handed, you draw your firearm from your right hip. Your taser is typically would be on your left hip. You either cross-draw or you draw it with your left hand. All that goes to training. And so, you know, you heard her yell, taser, taser, taser. She's not warning the suspect. Yeah. First, she warns the suspect, I'll tase you. The taser, taser, taser is to warn the officers, everybody step back, I'm, I'm going to tase uh, this suspect. Yeah. So there are some real stark differences here between a taser and a firearm. And I think what happened is even for a 20-plus year veteran on the police force, there's something called, which I know you've heard of, Rob, and I know the listeners have heard of, is the fog of war. Yes. And you can almost hear it in her voice where she is, has that very heightened nervousness sound in her voice often people get tunnel vision they can get foggy vision and they are not thinking crisp and clear which is why the best training puts you under these stressful circumstances so you do this over and over again so you become at least at least somewhat comfortable in the most stressful situations she was not comfortable in that situation and uh you know a man paid it paid the paid the price yeah. her not being comfortable but clearly an accident and and, it, and it's why do we train and i'll tell you this lastly rob before i keep spouting on about this but i often train with police officers i'm certified in advanced patrol tactics and swat tactics um oftentimes when i'm with officers at the academy that that, that i work with there are many officers that have not had this kind of training especially young officers they come out of the academy they study a lot in the books but they do not cover a lot of this gun battle type stuff and uh, to me it was eye-opening to see how little training yeah. police had when it comes to that which is why i tell officers get your own training there's so much available out yeah. there go get it don't just do what the department mandates go get your own training i i couldn't agree with you more absolutely and and grant also i mean look this all came down to about three seconds 
when a, a guy who had an outstanding warrant for a gun charge decides to break out of the handcuffs and get into his car, which immediately suggests not running away from the crime, but getting in the car to get a weapon. That's what it would broadcast to me as a police officer. And so th- th- there is this incredible emotional rush to save your own life that came about. So we can't just say, well, the dummy just great. It's not like grabbing a taser versus a Glock off a freaking card table, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to, I can't excuse the mistake. The action, yeah, I understand. Not your gun. I, I just I got can't, you. Rob, because I got you. it's, you know, a, a man's life has been lost over it. But but I can't excuse the suspect for resisting yeah. either. I got you. you know, you could make the argument that if she went for her gun first on purpose, she had a right to use lethal force against this guy yeah. when he's resisting against suspects. Um, he's in the car. He's got a warrant out for weapons possession. His hands at times are, are not exposed to officers. You don't know if he's got a gun under the seat. You know, if, she, if it wasn't a mistake, it almost would have been better off for her that she just used deadly force in this situation. I don't think there's a jury in America that would have convicted her. Gotcha. Um, now, though, it's, it's, I don't think she gets convicted of anything, but certainly she's not going to keep her job. All right, Grant, I appreciate your insight. It's better than I think anybody, any expert on the field, to be quite honest. Make sure to check out your show, as I do every night, my friend, at 8 o'clock on Newsmax TV. I appreciate your time, man. Well, as I always tell you, you have the funniest show on Newsmax going, and and I love it. (laughs) So the feeling's mutual, Rob. It's great talking to you. All right, see you, buddy. Talk to you later. That was very insightful. That was incredible. That was the kind of stuff that you, you would not expect from a guy who's, I mean, he's an anchor. He's a He's an opinion maker. And he knows his stuff. Thank you, Grant. God, he just kicks butt. I'm going to watch the show tonight at 8 o'clock. If not, set your DVR. And if you have any questions about when shows air on Newsmax, just go to NewsmaxTV.com. One more thing before we go. I used to do music radio. And I had to watch really stupid shows like The Bachelor to be informed to my audience because I did a morning radio show. And I got out of that when I realized that I was 45 years old and I was too old to uh, be interested in Lady Gaga. Uh, And also, I had been writing for Rush Limbaugh since I was 23. And I felt like I'd get into talk radio when I had the life experience um, and and when I truly felt comfortable and like I had something to say. There's a lot to be said about life experience with regard to talk radio. Trust me. Trust me. Everybody's got an opinion, you know, but it takes a little bit more to entertain and connect with people. That said, like Love Island, I've never seen the Love Island thing, but I see it every once in a while, the UK Daily Mail. They ought to call it STD Island, I'm thinking. But uh, The Bachelor is one of those shows. And what happens is, did they do The Bachelor? They did The Bachelorette, too. And it's where, a you know, guy and a girl, they get together and they all go on dates. And I would assume, I would assume several times there is some intimacy involved, you know, because that's what makes good television for people who like these shows. But but apparently, on the heels of last season where the, the Bachelor chose this woman, then found out there were some offensive photos of her that he presumed were racist. Then he decided that he wouldn't marry her, even though they had the powerful commitment of a primetime television show to back their their union for life. <laughs> but how would you feel if you're one of the Bachelorettes who uh, who courted and attempted to uh, either bed or or marry, better wed, bed or wed. Do you hear what I just did there? Not wet the bed. That's completely something. But bed or wed, Colton Underwood. Colton Underwood uh, came out, actually, with uh, Robin Roberts. Yeah, The Bachelor, the height of uh, heterosexuality on television, which ultimately ends up in a, a rose uh, be changing hands and, and, and wedding vows and all that stuff. And it turns out he doesn't like girls. 
Colton, thank you for this opportunity to sit down with you. Is there something that you want people to know? Now all of them can say, ha ha, that's why he didn't choose me. So it wasn't me. Can you tell us what you is on your heart that you want to share? Yeah. Um, obviously. And by the way, I don't care if he's gay. He's gay. That's great. You know, that's cool. Whatever. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here to, to, to throw stones. So like this year's been a lot for a lot of people, and it's probably made a lot of people look themselves in the mirror and figure out who they are and what they've been running from or what they've been putting off in their lives. And for me, um, I've ran from myself for a long time. I've hated myself for a long time and I'm gay. And I came to terms with that earlier this year. And okay, no, no, that's fine. You came to terms with it and all that. And I understand But I kind of want to go back and watch the season. Is it on Netflix? Because I want to see if there are any tells. I just want to see if it's like, you know, you know, like right before, you know, the date's over and she goes to give him a kiss and he's like, ew, you know, or, or, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, on our date, what we did, uh, we sat around and we watched, uh, we watched RuPaul's Drag Race and looked at contact wallpaper murals. Uh, but I never really put two, two together. And then we drank, uh, we drank Muscat. There was just something about him that uh, maybe it was Chablis. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. But the good thing is that all of the women who were not chosen, they can say it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. And I am so glad I don't have to talk about TV shows like that anymore. Unless I choose to, like I just did, because of the, uh, the whole entertainment value thing, which you get here on this radio program, which, of course, is called the Newsmax Daily. Mm -hmm. And I do it every day of the week, by the way, on all major digital platforms now heard in 22 countries. It just started three and a half weeks ago. We're on in 22 countries. Huge. Absolutely huge. And it's a combination of humor and information and opinion. And it's also tied in with the greatest network in the history of mankind. Newsmax TV, baby. Yeah, nothing like it. <laughs> I appreciate you guys joining me today. God bless you. Make sure to uh, download the Newsmax app. And also check out NewsmaxTV.com for the listings on your favorite show, including mine, Rob Carson's What in the World, which airs on Saturday and Sunday on Newsmax TV. Guys, have a glorious day. I will see you tomorrow. You will hear me. In the meantime, God bless, and I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.